Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Good Monday morning. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. Our man Debo is holding it down as always. Hannah Ostopchuk joining us too. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Huge show to get to. We have Phil Savage coming up. He's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. He's going to join us, talk a little prospects and what's going on this weekend. Uh, we got our topic segment as usual, but it's... The Super Bowl is set. It's finally here. We had championship weekend. I was so pumped up for the games yesterday. One of them lived up to the hype, was a fantastic finish. The other one was not. Our boy Debo, though, was was watching it with some Philly fanatics. So you were you were watching it the local spot, the parrot. Felt like set, home. Set the scene uh. for me of the Eagles faithful, like, through that game. I mean, getting there two hours before you're watching the game where you, you know – you hope you're going to play one of those teams, and people shift it. They thought it was going to be the Jaguars. Like, we want Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but then as soon as the Patriots win, it's we want to get that revenge on Tom Brady from Super Bowl 39. Ooh, the revenge factor coming into play. It's a, it's a little bit. 13 How years tired later. tired are you? I'm tired. I got an hour <laughs> sleep. I'm good. I'm wired. It's like the I'm real tired. question. One hour, one hour is it? to the Super Bowl. One hour is it? Did anybody, because the, the best uh, video that I saw, because there were a bunch of Philly fans online, was the dude trying to catch the train. <gasps> and he hit the and he got, pole. And he got close line by sad. the pole. Like, I, we need to check in on some of these people. Like, Yo, to see if he was like hospitalized. He was running, like, miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't feeling so anything. Slow. All right, so we're going we're gonna to break down that <laughs> game second, because... It wasn't the most entertaining game, but for you, I'm sure it was, with I'll watching with all the Eagles fans. But the Patriots-Jaguars game was phenomenal. We learned a lot about that game. I don't know if this is anything new, but we learned that Brady is Brady, and Brady is the GOAT, pure and simple. <laughs> Here's a couple highlights. Takes the snap. He play fakes Dwight. He stands in the end zone. He looks down the middle. He fires, and the ball is caught in the back of the end zone by Danny. It's a catch. Raza, did you have, did you think the Jags were going to win? Uh, no. At any point? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I did. I, or, you know, early in the game when they came out um, and they hit the Patriots in the mouth, like after that first three zero score from uh, from Brady and company, I felt like the Jags had a, t- a chance. But it was specifically because they were really like it, you could see their game plan come to fruition, right? Like they weren't really putting the ball in Bortles' hand to go downfield a lot. Like the downfield shots look like a lot of play action, but mostly they were trying to like hit those backs and tight ends coming out of, like out in the flats and really test the edges of the, that linebacking core. And so when they were doing that, it was really fruitful. And I was like, oh, you know, they smacked, they found something, they got, they got action. Um, but you I, knew the Patriots were going to catch up. Well, I started to get concerned when they couldn't like, and I know they sacked Tom Brady three times, but he never really looked uncomfortable in the pocket a lot. And I figured if they had any chance to really be like a threat coming down the stretch that he had to have happy feet. And they never really got to him to the point where he had happy feet. And, and I thought that was a concern. So I, I was with them for a while, and I was like, this just is not going to end well. I felt the whole time, because I, I don't know, I found myself admiring the greatness. I lived up in New England, so my daughters root for the Patriots because right. we were up there. I think Tom Brady's the best to ever play, so I like watching these dramatic moments unfold. But I just felt every time I'm like, I feel bad for the people that root against Tom Brady, yeah. Hannah, and the Patriots. <laughs> because I feel like every time you're going to get your heart ripped out and fed to you. Like it was down, they were down 10 in the fourth quarter. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
I can't wait to see what Brady does here. They're in the same spot they were in the Super Bowl, except it was 28-3 in that game. But this one felt the same. Right. I think, you know, Romo's setting the stage saying he doesn't have Gronk. He doesn't have his favorite guy. He's he playing didn't have with Gronk 10 in the Super Bowl last year. Things are fine. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying in that moment, though, he's been his favorite receiver right. for the last, you know, six weeks of the season. And there they are again, and it just doesn't phase him. It is unbelievable, and I think he just keeps adding and adding to his folklore. And considering like the hand injury, which we didn't know what it was, I think it actually unfolded worse than we thought. I think everybody thought maybe he was trolling people, and that they right. were. He had ten stitches in his hands, and there were rumors that he had a torn ligament in his thumb. But Belichick, Belichick was saying, "Can I get Kaya in here to do sound, like a soundtrack for?" <laughs> you sound like Belichick because he was playing it down too. Can you can you just speak to the the resourcefulness of Tom dealing with something like that midweek and then coming out and playing playing a huge game like that? I mean, look, Tom did a great job, and he's a tough guy. We all know that, all right. But I mean, I'm not talking about open heart surgery here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, the resourcefulness no, 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 no. of Tom. Come on, now you can't. Is he, is he MacGyver he on his throwing MacGruber. hand? On his throwing like, hand. Stitches in his hands. Raja, also, I'm so with you. No, 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 no. <laughs> you guys don't understand how impressive it is that he was able to still go out there and slice and dice a Jaguars a defense. Well done one with of the, the best. slice and dice. Well, it was well one of the, yes, <laughs> It was one of the. That's one of the best defenses in the NFL, and he made them look like they're a college defense. I, I don't hate Tom Brady or the Patriots. Well, I, I, I root for the underdogs. Like I like to see fresh blood. I respect. What they do. That is a well-oiled machine. They just, they win. Winning is a culture. Like, I get down with it. I, I respect it. Let me break some news on here. Because I think I have this figured out. There were a lot of speculation. How did he hurt his hand? Was it Rex Burkhead that he hand, handed off to? That was kind of the culprit everybody had talked about. I think the specific play that he hurt his hand on in practice was the reverse that they ran to Burkhead in the game. This is what's crazy to me, is that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, they said, we have a play that we like, we're going to run it. They've worked it in practice. And typically when you run a reverse in practice, it's different than any handoff because they're coming with a lot more, they're, they're running at right. full speed because they're getting all the speed worked up. And you oftentimes would get your hand stuck in there. It's more of a chance to fumble. I can almost guarantee that's the play that he hurt his hand on. And they had the balls to run it again in the game and say, like, I don't care. I don't care if he's hurt. We're going to run the play that we liked. That, to me, is just what one of those things that makes Belichick great. That's and Brady, what, too. Yeah, that's why That's why they are – how many times have they been in the last four years? Three times Super Bowl in the last <laughs> yeah. four years? I mean, that, because they stick to their guns. They do it the way they want to do it. Um, it's been a lot of talk this morning about, like, penalties and – yeah, the um, fact that Patriots only had one penalty in the game. Mm -hmm. I think that's a sign more of not the favoritism. I think it's a sign that they play clean and disciplined. But there I were so disagree. many videos of the refs celebrating. I, the I, did you see those? Wait, I disagree. Wait, wait. Do you know what I'm After the game, there was a video of the head referee patting Tom Brady like on the shoulder, on the back, on the butt. And he's like, like yeah. In, in a congratulatory <laughs> way, which you don't see from refs. No, but I think you see that you see them not intimidated, but I think they know he's the They're go to. They're in get. Call, you're going to get a lot of calls your way. Um, I'm not a, a tip. Like I'm typically not a conspiracy theorist. Oh, but you are now. But today, I mean, I don't. I don't look the one downfield on Brandon Cooks. Like yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Jalen Ramsey got wrapped up with him late in the game. Clearly, he had him by the shoulder. Like he pulled yeah. him down and whatever. The one to end the first half. Uh, that's a fifty-fifty thing. But if you gave him that, okay. But there were a couple that Blake Bortles threw 
specifically to Mercedes Lewis, one over the middle of the field. It wasn't a critical down in distance, but it was a chunk play. It was like 15, 20 yards. And he just got drilled in the back on a ball that was, you know, above his head. He would have had to extend for it. Yeah. Uh, DB or safety was there really early. And then there was one which was critical. I think it was third and 10. It was on the sideline. Um, again, safety there really early. And Mercedes Lewis is even looking around like, you know, where's the foul? And so ink, it's my beef, and it's not just with this game. It's just officials. You know, I'm, you know how I feel about officials. <laughs> the inconsistency, especially when you're, when you're dealing with an all-time great franchise like the Pats, where you can be swayed by the mystique, the lore, being in Foxborough, I think there's something to that. I think the Jags were in prime position to beat the, to knock them off, and I think they got tentative. Yeah. And, and to, the minute mm-hmm. to me when I was like, uh-oh, the Jags are in trouble, was when the Patriots went down and scored before the half. The Jaguars got the ball back with 55 seconds and two timeouts. What was that? That is an eternity. That Any team, like at the end of practice on Wednesdays, you go out and run the two-minute drill. And it's not real. I don't know why we call it the two-minute drill anymore because everybody practices it with about one minute or a minute 30. That is an eternity for an right. NFL team. All you need is 30 or 40 yards just to get a field goal, and they didn't even try. And Lambeau had just stroked a 54-yarder, didn't he? Yeah, like, they, they have plenty of, of leg. They did not even try. That, to me, was the minute they lost the game. That was corny. It looked like you were afraid. That was, and that they was got, we're happy to be here type Absolutely. Right. And they were like, hey, well, we have the ball coming out in the second half. Let's just go. Let's make sure we have the lead. Like They were basically saying, we don't want to screw this up and have Bortles throw a pick six before the half and potentially lose the lead. You have to go for the dagger, especially when you're knocking off a dynasty. They were aggressive in the first half with Bortles going, you know, mixing play action pass, taking shots, running the ball, and then they just shut it down. They got so much more conservative in the second half, and that's how you lose. Blake Bortles, better or worse than you thought he'd be in that game? Better, yeah. by far. I mean, yeah. he had one of his best games, I was say, we but it was a lot him. of it was in the first half. It wasn't the but first he's half. But still, the I mean, when he had that, it was like two minutes and thirty-eight seconds left. Like he still showed up. It's just, oh yeah, Patriots, he made, yeah. But the Patriots, you know, Stephon Gilmore made a heck of a play on the fourth yes. down. That was a good throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it was, was a good throw. The money, the wheel route to Leonard Fournette up the left side, though. Not, oh, you put that out in front of him. Well, here's the difference too. In in a lot of little throws, they looked like they should have been caught or they were caught. But the difference in Brady, who's the goat, and Bortles, who clearly is not. Is you give them balls that they can run after the catch. There's act right. like pinpoint accuracy, and then there's Brady like Bortles accuracy, which yeah. is just I'm going to complete this, but it's not going to be to where you can lead the guy and he keeps running. So I, still I think thought that was, that was, a was such a good game by Bortles. I, like, totally. I, I thought he played it. well, but I did feel like late the game got big for him. Yeah, totally. I, I felt like yeah. it just overwhelmed them a little bit. I think he got If you're the Jaguars. It's like you... a panic mode. I mean, think about it. You're up against totally. you know, the goat. And that's what's hard. You have to close those games out, and that's when you start thinking about mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, man, we have this opportunity. The Jags have a decision to make, too, because he's up. They're going to decide, what do we do? Do they go in a different direction? You go in a different direction? Yeah. yeah. Like, how th- much does that get to your head, though? Like, I mean, you are the quarterback that's, like, kind of a joke, and you're up against the goat. How do you, like – how do you, how well, do you definitely, overcome that? It definitely comes in your mind because I think in the first half he's kind of unconscious. He's just saying, right. "Hey, we have to win." And then you, st- I think, I, I still think it's the hardest place to play from in football is from the lead because you have to maintain that same killer instinct. We want to knock this team off instead of I don't want to make the mistake. But like if, if you start to, playing not to make them to to not make the mistake, you get tentative and you change your outcome. To your point, though, that's that's it's on a player, but it's also it's. It's more squarely on the coach's shoulders Agreed. to protect that player. You know what he's had to deal with all training right. camp, all offseason. You know his propensity to maybe get small in those moments. You keep it wide open for him. Yeah. You, don't, you don't give him any opportunity to feel like 
the moment's too big. You just keep that underdog mentality. Here we come. We're pushing it down your throat. We're going to be super ultra aggressive. And, and it, it will lessen the opportunity for him to shy away from the moment if he were inclined to do so. And it's got to be over there. Every series he comes to the sideline, you're talking to him. If you're Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, you're telling him, hey, we are not letting off the gas. We are not going to get conservative. Right. We trust we're going we to beat this yep. team. Yeah, everything we're you do. On. And it goes to play calling, too. All right, so we have that side set. The Patriots go into the Super Bowl. The other side... Not as entertaining a game, unless you're an <laughs> Eagles fan, where we learn that Philly still embraces and exceeds in the underdog role and that miracles are overrated. I don't believe in miracles. <laughs> <laughs> what you got here from sound for us? Give me some sound. They come right back at the flea flicker. Back to Foles. He's going deep down the far side of the field. And it is Oh, about to get it's turned about to get up in here. I love that Debo is so into the game he forgot that we had to play I, audio on that one. He's sorry still, if I'm a little still, all over the place. He might still be intoxicated too. Yeah. yeah, no drinking. <laughs> so this one was clearly the Eagles, although they were down seven nothing, and Case Keenum threw a pick six, which I thought was critical in that game. I thought that was a difference because all of a sudden. Like, I think Eagles fans were nervous. I think the players are like, oh, man, this Vic. And then you throw a pick six. It's the one thing you can't do yeah. under some pressure. And it's just I thought that was kind of a turning point early in that game. And it was never looked back for the Eagles. I agree. Um, the Vikings came out and, like, smashed that ball right down the Eagles' throat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was a three and out, but the, the Eagles didn't do much on offense. Vikings had the ball back again. If they score again, I mean, the life is sucked out of that stadium. Like all those dog masks go away. Like it, it already was. Like they were. It the the best way if you're the road team is to keep the crowd neutralized. And right. You do that by getting a lead. The crowd gets a little bit antsy. They're not into it. But you give them a pick six. Well, all of a sudden the they thing. wake up. Even if you even if it's a pick, you're still you still have action. Yeah. But the pick six is just what I mean. That is the last thing that can happen in that situation. The storylines for the for the Eagles are like. They're pretty cool. I mean, Jay Ajayi mm-hmm. getting traded from the Dolphins, like being oh, emotional is everything. Yeah, yeah. he was so game. emotional. Yeah, so on like his crime. Um, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Okay, that's the best defense in football throughout the regular season, right? The Vikings. One of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, statistically, for sure. yeah. Right. Statistically, yeah. yes. For sure. Nick Foles, my, yep. guy, my guy. My, my guy. I'm Your sorry. Guy? No, I, I, no, I'm not calling him my guy. I'm just using my guy. Like, okay, like, yeah. I'm sorry because I had like. And I should have because, you know, he was a pro bowler a few years ago. Like, there was something there. What do you – here's the thing about Philly, and I just – Philly fans, I Uh-oh. played in Philly. We went to a we went to a NBA Finals in 2001. I had very, 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 very little to do with that. <laughs> no, real talk. I, I signed there towards the end of the season. We loved you, though. And still do. When I go to Philly, like, I get a lot of love for having very little to do with that season. And so <laughs> it begs the question, Carson, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Versus Nick Foles. Now Nick Foles has had more to do with it than I did. But what happens if Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl no. in Philly? He's no. Jeff Hostetler. He's Jeff Hostetler the way the Giants had it, and Phil Sims was you still their quarterback. No, you don't like. All right, you're a Philly fan, so you're saying no. I'll, I'll take that. But Philly fans are a different breed. If that cat wins a Super, you have a problem. We man. make a statue. We buy of drinks who? for the rest of his life. Oh, Nick Foles. Foles. Really? He'll get but a statue? He'll get a statue, get a statue? But Carson Wentz is the week one starter of healthy next season. He should okay. be. Absolutely. Are you, are you speaking as like a, are you, are you speaking with your heart? No. Are you speaking as I a, I think Carson Wentz has the potential uh, and might already <laughs> be a top five quarterback in the league. Nick Foles, 
He's going to win the Super Bowl, but he's not that. Does this make you take away anything? Because I think what we've learned about the NFL in general is that quarterbacks have a much better chance to succeed if you give them a running game and a really good defense, which is what the Eagles had with Carson Wentz and with Nick Foles. I think it gives you a greater chance if you lose your quarterback the way they did. And I think people totally forgot – and granted, it's easy to forget because it was a while ago. You mentioned him having being a Pro Bowl season. It wasn't just the Pro Bowl season. It was one of the best seasons statistically like in the history. No, 27 and touchdowns two and two interceptions. One of the best seasons in the history of football. And it wasn't a four or five game window. It was an entire season. Now, I think the reason Foles struggled after that, I think people caught up to Chip Kelly's uh, offensive scheme, right. the pace. But I also think he's an extreme, extremely mentally – I don't, know, I don't want to say fragile, but a little bit up and down. Like I think he lost his confidence after that, after that second year, and then he was kind of banished. But once you gave it back to him, I think that was Doug Peterson's best thing, is that he, what we talked about Blake Bortles, yeah. what they should have done with him, I think he sent a very clear message to Nick Foles, we're going to win with you. And yeah, they did. They and they did. opened it up and he was, he was phenomenal. So can we meet somewhere in the middle? Maybe not taking Carson Wentz's job next year, right? But clearly above backup status in the NFL. Like that's the statue. It, it, is he, is he a starter in an F, on an NFL team? That's, I think he's proven that he should be. And again, it's, it's like Case Keenum, like the guy he's playing against. I think if you put him on the Vikings this year, Foles could probably have the same success that Case Keenum did. Right. And Keenum's going to get a big starter type contract. Because uh, he was – I mean, he's a guy that can win you games, but it's really dicey. You're going to pay him $20 million? No. But I think I'd give him the type of money that they saw uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick get for the Jets, who was older. He got $12 million a year to kind of be the – get a chance to compete for the starting job. But if you're going to spend that type of money on Nick Foles, he's only 29. He's got a lot of years. If you're going to spend that money, you better be smart enough to put him with some talent around him. And there are only a couple quarterbacks in the entire NFL – that can lift up an entire roster. Nick Foles, Case Keenum, some of these other Blake Bortles. None of those guys are that type of quarterback. But if you put them in positions to succeed, they can do it. This wasn't three fifty two on like let me get that ball out in the flat and run. No, the catch. this man was making some throws. four passes of thirty five yards or more. He was putting that ball on the money. The one he threw to with Torrey Smith, the flea, the flea flicker. Yeah, there was one spot you could put that ball. It was like a, it was one foot of a window of opportunity for him to make that catch. Here's uh, Doug Peterson after the game. And then the thing is about this team is, you know, uh, all the adversity and, and, and the, 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 you know, negativity or whatever that surrounds the team. These guys don't listen to that and, and I don't listen to that. And then they come to work and practice hard every day and, and uh, they love being, they love being, uh, you know, around each other. They love being underdogs, and they're going to be underdogs again. Early line is their five-and-a-half to six-point underdog versus the Patriots. One of the biggest spreads we've seen in ten years, something like that. Yeah, since uh, 2009. Yeah, so it's been a Steelers, while since Cardinals. we've seen this big of a dog in the Super Bowl. I think they better be careful, though, because the one thing you don't want to do is piss off Tom Brady. Lane Johnson saying, hey, Tom Brady, pretty boy Tom Brady, he's the best quarterback of all time, so nothing I'd do – I like to do more than to dethrone that guy. Don't even. I want it. Like, I don't want even it more. say it. No, Why? The, the, Why not? Because you don't want to wake him up. Who then you cares? see how ticked off he was when he's playing the Jags. Jalen Ramsey's calling him out. You you want to try to fly under the radar against the Patriots? Disagree. I would just. Like, oh, you just poke the bear in his face. Oh, <laughs> that's what you do. You go right at him. My Wait, can favorite. I just say, I'm yeah. sorry. Go the ahead. worst part about watching that Patriots Jags game yesterday were all those commercials.
commercials for his documentary on Facebook. Oh, I, I can't wanted wait to, watch to gouge it. my eyeballs out. I can't out. wait to watch it. I almost cried. Oh my, he's so <laughs> cocky. He's like, he's like, who knew that at 40 years old I'd still be this good at my job? Go back home. Go home. <laughs> that is such a great line. I love it. I can't wait to watch that. We might actually consider me a diehard Eagles fan for the next. <laughs> my, I appreciate that. My favorite <laughs> troll job of the year. Is when the Eagles fans are doing the skull chant, except they're going foals. But the best part about it is they're so drunk they couldn't even uh, like get them in sync. The claps, they're <laughs> all no just hammered, just yelling skull. Uh, so I, I think it has some good storylines. I think it's a win for the NFL because I guarantee you NBC, who has the Super Bowl this year, was panicked that you might have Blake Bortles versus Nick Foles or, or Case Keenum. I think it would have been a win if the Vikings were playing at home. But now you've got a rematch. Tom Brady had to be in it. Yeah, exactly. And that's Tom why Brady. The refs got the note that's, in their locker. That's to, your conspiracy oh. theory. That's your conspiracy yes. right there. Which, so with you, Raja. Okay. <laughs> so with you. You guys are crazy. So uh, it's crazy. All right. So I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually headed out to the Super Bowl. I'll be there all week. And what? one of the worst parts, yeah. You can't drag Let's the go. show with. I mean, Let's like, go. Come I'm on. Going hop out on to there. The Super Bowl? Hop on. Hop on there with me. Uh, one of the things that's going to get really annoying, and if you think you're tired of Tom Brady now, we've got some Super Bowl storylines that you better be ready for and number one among them is tom brady is the goat you're gonna get that so much what does this mean and i think it's escalated now to not only he's the greatest of all time in the sport of football but there's going to be the comparison of michael jordan is he is the greatest uh, athlete of yeah. our time raja how can you deny it how can you deny it i think it is more impressive I don't, I'm not even. I'm, I, You're not even going to entertain that. I we're know that we're here for. Game. We're here for one reason, which is to talk, and I'm not dignifying that with a response. I'm not even. <laughs> yes. No. So here's the thing. Sorry, if you uh, that clearly Jordan is the better athlete. Like I mean, you just watch him play, watch right. the dunks, watch him how much he dominates game. But if you look at longevity, if you look at titles now, if he wins this one, he'll get six, and he might have more in him. And if you look at the teams he's done it with, so many different teams. He has done it with less around him in a sport that's tougher to win. Tom Brady's a boss. He's annoying. <laughs> but he ain't no MJ. Like, I don't. I don't. I, he's annoying as hell. Um, no, I think there's something because I was I was young and I was a huge MJ fan. Yeah. So maybe if I was like less jaded and younger and I just grew up on Tom Brady, I'd feel the same way. But I, I can't really argue any of the any of the points that you just made, other than I don't think. Tell me any of these stories, because these are, Debo put these together. Put the, Tell me any of these that would make you, like, interested in the conversation. So we have Brady's hand over Free it, right? Know. Over it. Listen, James bro, Harrison at 39. Can we put the hand to bed? How many? Yes, like, what kind of I injuries agree. Did you know? I totally he had 10 agree. stitches on his throwing hand. Calf. I couldn't even walk. <laughs> Which Brady said, too. He's like, like I've had way so worse yeah, injuries. I mean, like, so Softer I, than Strasburg. I don't want to even bring that back. Let's do that. James Harrison at 39, making another Super Bowl, that'll be a big storyline. Uh, Brady Belichick, the tension. Is this the last time they ever play together? That'll get brought up a ton. There's, there's no chance. Like, they're just magic together. Hopefully. Right? I've, I always believed that after the season was over, they'd all sit down, they'd get Robert Kraft in a room, and they'd be like, what are we thinking? Yeah, like, right. this is really dumb. Let's just keep it going. Cool. Uh, Gronk Media Day. Like, he'll be spiking stuff. He'll it's Gronk. <laughs> get that bleep ready, uh, Debo. Make sure you mark that time. Uh, Carson Wentz still involved with a team. Look at him at the Walking around the cane, uh, is he? Uh, I think there will be some discussion. Trust the process. I think that will be a discussion that will be had. Uh, the city of this was annoying yesterday. Oh, I saw this. The city of Philly uh, greasing their light poles. That's a thing. So, yeah. Didn't work. It didn't no, they work. were still climbing them. Yeah. 
The Philly, the, look at the Saturn. I appreciate Philly fans, though. They're the best. I think they're the best. They're the coolest. They oh, remind me gosh. of Buffalo fans. Sorry. But, like, oh, actually blushing. a little bit cooler. So, so look, <laughs> I, so I was annoying. in the mall I, the day after we won that game to go to the finals. And against I went the Bucks. To, against the Bucks. Yes. King of Prussia Mall with my parents. Just going out. They were in town. The King of Prussia Mall, somebody must have said that I was in the mall somehow. <laughs> now, meanwhile, I, no one knows who I am. Right. So I'm like, we're in there at Foot Locker. We're just hanging out. The King of Prussia Mall, thousands of people congregated around us in the King of Prussia Mall. I was in there for like three hours. Like people were just cheering and chanting and taking like whatever pictures and autographs. It was some, I mean, it was like a scene out of a movie. I never really? seen anything like it before. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I would love That's that. That's so cool. <laughs> um, you got Donovan McNabb. They're going to revisit that moment throwing up in the Super Bowl the last time. <laughs> that, that rematch, even though like I hate it because there's a, what, one player is it Brady was the only guy that was on both. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of dumb. We're going to revisit that and act like it means something. The QB controversy brewing in Philly. We talked about that. The dog masks. If you think they were bad this week, they're going to be traveling to Minnesota. Uh, throwing snowballs at Santa Claus always Can't comes avoid up it. with Philly. Uh, Matt, uh, Patricia and Josh McDaniels coaching their last game with the team. That'll be a big one. You, you, you like that one, huh? That's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, it'll get talked I... like crazy. Uh, Chris Long's terrible efforts. Chris Long's a great dude, but that is going to get played up a, a big time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those stories. Free Meek Mill. Free Meek Mill? Free Meek Mill. <laughs> the Eagles have adopted <laughs> dreams and nightmares as their like go-to song. Oh, really? And I want to run through a wall every time I see that dance. That's the video that was, from the, that was from their meeting room before the game. Yeah, and then after the game, they did it. Jeffrey Lurie got in on that. Jeffrey they Lurie do it on the dancing field. Dancing is going to be another old one. white guys is dancing. Another, is there yeah. another video of him dancing? He was on the field a little bit, but just Meek Mill has taken over. Yeah, free Meek Mill. Legarrett Blunt playing yeah. against his old team. Minnesota is cold. We'll get that a lot. It is going to be awful. Uh, so plenty of stuff we're going to get to. Super Bowl media day. Two weeks in between. We'll get a lot to get to, but. Let's get to here's what's happening with Hannah. All right. No matter the records, always a fun matchup when New York meets L.A. Sunday, a 127 to 107 victory for the suddenly hot Lakers winning six winners of six of eight. So Jordan Clarkson with 29 points and 10 assists off the bench. Julius Randle adds 27 points and 12 boards. The Knicks struggling. Yeah, Knicks are struggling. But what it says to me is like Jordan Clarkson, there's trade value out there for him. Like he's one of those players that doesn't necessarily fit the mold that the Lakers are trying to to go with that young new nucleus, so um, definitely helping his his uh, his trade stock right now. Same with same with uh, Julius Randle. The jury's out on whether or not he can be a part of that nucleus. Mm-hmm. So uh, showing him off now, letting him get his buckets up is only helpful going into the trade deadline. Yeah, I like Jordan Clarkson. Don't like this next guy. Tony Parker started the game <laughs> in an unfamiliar spot last night on the bench for just the 21st time in his 17-year career. Parker not in the starting lineup, something Spurs coach Greg Popovich told him about pregame. He said, quote, if Pop sees something that is good for the team, I'll try to do my best, said the former Finals MVP. Now DeJounte Murray got the point guard nod yeah. in his start, notching 8.7 rebounds and four assists in San Antonio's loss to Indiana. He sounds French, too. DeJounte <laughs> Murray. Did I do a good job? Yeah. No, yeah, it was great. Uh, no, that's a tough, tough, thing for any, <laughs> tough thing for any career starter, man, to be told you're coming off the bench. But um, I imagine that Pop um, and the culture there in San Antonio, that's a pretty easy conversation to have with those guys. And, and Tony and, and all of those vets are like class acts, so I'm sure it went over just fine. Mike Vrabel, the new man in Music City. The Titans hired the 14-year vet and three-time Super Bowl champ Vrabel as their head coach, replacing Mike Malarkey in a season 
in which Tennessee went to the playoffs. The 42-year-old has spent the past four seasons with the Texans, serving as Houston's defensive coordinator in 2017. Solid high for the Titans. I think they wanted somebody that the players would respond to a little bit more. He's a young guy, brings a lot of energy. He's got pretty good uh, resume. When you look at it as a former player, I always think players look up to a guy like that more so than somebody who wasn't uh, in an NFL locker room. So it should be a good one for the Titans. All right, let's get to our interview. Phil Savage, we teased him off the top of the show. He is the executive director of the Senior Bowl. All right, it's our pleasure to welcome Phil Savage to the show. Phil, thanks for joining us. So Senior Bowl, a lot of people tune in just for this week. But for you as the executive director, it is a year-round process. Walk me through what goes into making this event successful. Yeah, Danny, uh, thanks for letting me come on your, your podcast for sure. But, you know, when I came back to my hometown of Mobile to become the executive director in June of 2012, in one of the first meetings, I said, you know, if they dropped an NFL team into Mobile and said, you guys run this game, how would they do it in terms of the selection process of the players? And that's what we've tried to do. Uh, we built out our watch list over the summer. I think we had 400 names on a watch list by the time we got to the end of August. And then between myself and a couple of young guys on my staff that are aspiring scouts and several other uh, individuals that are either between jobs or trying to get a job in the NFL, they're stationed across the country. I think we covered over 300 players in person during the fall, especially in August, September, and October because – by November 1st, we start sending out that first round of invites. And then, of course, over the month of November and through December and all the way really up until Saturday, uh, we're building out the rosters for both the North and the South. Phil, let me. this is Raja Bell here. Uh, I, Baker Mayfield, first Heisman Trophy winner since Tebow to actually participate in the game. What, what did it take to get him to commit, or was it, was it a no-brainer for him? You know, I think for him, because of his career really – at least part of of his career being built on the competitive nature of his personality. I think it, it made a lot of sense for him uh, to say yes and come in here because, look, if you're the ultimate competitor and you're a senior, then this is one of the steps on the way to the draft. And I met with the, the first group of players that arrived yesterday, and, you know, obviously we're very thankful that they – accepted the opportunity, but we feel like it's also a gift for them because, you know, not only is it the practices, we try to give them some instruction about dealing with the media, how to handle their money, uh, the importance of community service. So we really try to build out a week that includes some elements of what it means to be an NFL player. And, you know, these guys that are here this week, they'll probably do anywhere from 10 to 20 interviews. I don't think they'll interview with every single team. But every single team has access to them. And if you knock out 18 or 22 interviews in Mobile, then when you get to the combine six weeks from now, then your focus can be on the testing and the 40-yard dash, and you don't have as much pressure in terms of some of the requirements off of the field uh, once they get to Indy. So it actually can give these guys a head start in terms of uh, their journey to the draft. Can you give us an inside look at what happens? I think most, you know, just a casual fan tunes in. Maybe they watch practices during the week, which you can. But a lot of them tune in for the game. They want to see the collegiate players making their last case for the NFL. But I always thought the most interesting thing was kind of the water cooler talk that goes around at the hotel between all the GMs and the scouts that are going to be there. Can you give me a behind-the-scenes glimpse of what that hotel lobby is like in Mobile? 
Well, it's like a, a human beehive, uh, <laughs> really starting today and tomorrow and Tuesday in specific. Uh, a lot of the teams showed up yesterday, and some of those interviews have already been conducted. And, you know, it's we're a bit of an unofficial convention for the NFL, and then you combine the fact that a lot of college coaches, it's almost become uh, not a requirement, but a lot of head coaches will show up to support their players uh, if they have guys in the game. I think this year we've got like over 30 college head coaches that are going to roll through town at some point during the week. So at a given practice, you might see Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban talking at the 40-yard line together, and then five, ten yards away there's John Elway you know, talking to you know, Pat Narduzzi from Pitt about one of his players. So it really is where the college and, and NFL worlds collide. It happens here in Mobile of all places. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy that, that this tradition was started here in 1950. This would be the 69th game. And the NFL has always provided the coaches. I mean, we've had, we had Paul Brown, I think, seven of the first ten years of existence of the Senior Bowl. And, of course, this year it's the Broncos and the Texans, Bill O'Brien for the Texans, and Vance Joseph for the Broncos. Right, let me ask you a question about Josh Allen because I think nationally, uh, you know, obviously we know a lot about Rosen and Baker Mayfield and, and Sam Darnold, but, but Josh Allen, I read an article on him, prototypical size, big arm. Like what stands out about him on tape to you? Well, I'll tell you, last summer I usually run over to the Manning Passing Academy in June, and, of course, they, they bring in like 35, 40 college quarterbacks to serve as counselors. And while those players are there, they have their own quarterback workout. So uh, Archie's been kind enough to let us come over there and, and get a little bit of a sneak preview on the upcoming quarterback class. And last June when I was there, you know, they don't have jerseys. They don't have numbers or names on their shirts. So you don't really know who's who. And, I mean, literally after about five or six minutes of watching these guys throw it around, I'm like, man, who's that big dude right there? And they said, that's the Wyoming quarterback. So, I mean, he stood out in a crowd because of his size and his arm talent. Uh, this year, if you watched him at all, there were some struggles. I mean, I, I would venture to guess that he had at least multiple drops in most every game. So his his completion percentage is the lowest of any of the eight passers that are here this week. He, he hit 57% of his passes, and people will knock him on that. But if you really study the tape, he did have some drops that were included in there and I, I tell you, I think he's a guy that can really uh, not only uh, up his value but solidify his status as someone that should be discussed uh, in that top five of the draft. Phil, for the guys that don't go, what's the reason they typically give? Danny, I would say the guys that just straight up say, hey, I, I'm not going to come down, they usually are three- or four-year starters that feel like that they've got 50 games of tape uh, out there and you know maybe it's been a long season and they feel like they want to go get ready for the combine uh, i think for certain players every year it, it makes sense i understand it we shrug our shoulders and move on to the next player it's not that big of a deal i do think though that there are players that that misevaluate the, the chance that they have here particularly players that, that may not be as high profile may not have played at the biggest of schools, may not have had all 32 teams come to their college over the course of the year, or maybe only had the area scouts, didn't have access to 
personnel directors or GMs like they will here. So, you know, usually it's it's a straight decline or someone has some sort of nagging injury that they're concerned will flare up again in the three days of practice, and they don't want that to impact their, their combine uh, prep next month. All right, Phil, we're going to do uh, our superlative. So we kind of do a little bit of a rapid-fire round of questions. We have some fun ones for you. Um, so we're going to start it off with the player this week at the Senior Bowl who's most likely to eat an entire box of Reese's. Those are your, that's your official sponsor. So who's the player, <laughs> the guy that you guys might have to worry about just might gain about 5 or 10 pounds? No, oh, wow. I, you know, that's, that's one of the tests here, see. Is where our Reese's is our sponsor, but these NFL people are watching to see who's got their pockets stuffed with with Reese's candy. You know, while they're doing all this high profile training and all, so I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus on that one. We're going to try to figure that out over the next three days. So we have a bit of an office debate here at CBS Sports. A lot of the people say Reese's wrong, or we can't decide. The right way to say it. So is it Reese's or Reese's? Yes, it is Reese's, but, you know, mo- a lot of people do say Reese's. Oh, they do. As I just did. It is, I screwed it, it up. It is Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> Take note, guys. Take right, note. Guys, well, duly noted. All right, Phil, who was the best coach on the, ni- on the 91 to 94 Cleveland Browns? Well, as a head coach or the assistant? No, it's just who was the best one. Who was the best? (laughs) We had the two. Well, this is what I told Colin Cowherd a number of years ago. I said, in a one-game, one-game series, Nick Saban. In a seven-game series, Bill Belichick. Uh, (laughs) That's a pretty good one. One game, winner take all, Saban. Uh Seven-game series with adjustments, you know, on the fly. Belichick. Do you think? Uh, do you think Coach Saban ever makes another run at the NFL? I really don't. I think you know if this was five or even certainly ten years ago, and he'd had this much success this quickly, uh, maybe. But I, I think you know all the other positions that he had prior to Alabama were jobs. This has become a lifestyle for he and his family. So I, I think he's anchored in there until until he decides to, to hang up the. To throw an arm and, and the whistle and, and move on to, to greener pastures. But, yeah, I, I think he'll finish out in Tuscaloosa. All right, so in addition to the executive director of the Senior Bowl, you're also a uh, color analyst for the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. So who is more likely to win a Heisman in 2018? Is it Jake Fromm or Tua Tonga-Valoa? Mm, based on what we saw in the second half of that national championship game, I'm going to say Tua Tonga-Valoa. He's a Hawaiian Houdini. I mean, there's an instinctive flair about that young man. He, he, he can really play. Very cool. Um, okay, so I spent one year in the, in the front office, didn't really get a chance to draft anyone. Um, but who would you say, like when you watched, was your, was your number one draft pick? What was your best pick uh, while you were with NFL team? Well, our first year when we moved to Baltimore from Cleveland and became the Ravens, we started off that first round with Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis, so that was a pretty nice start. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but I would say my favorite player, that one that I love, love to tell the story of, probably was Ed Reed at Miami. I, I would typically start every year down at the U. Uh, sorry, Danny. I did end up at Florida State, of course, every year, but I would start off at the U because they had such a volume of players, and you know, there was this, this freshman, number 20, and then he's a sophomore, and then all of a sudden he's a junior. And, 
you know, you just sort of monitor. You saw how active he was in practice. I mean, he was a true ball magnet, and we were fortunate enough to get him in Baltimore with the 20, 24th pick of the first round. I mean, how he lasted that long, I have no idea. But uh, Ed, Ed was a phenomenal talent, incredible football player. All right, so this question gets kicked around a lot. Could Alabama beat the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> at the Cleveland Browns' worst, like pick a year when they were at their worst and Bama's best, could they hang with them? You know, I, could they hang? I think they probably could hang. I don't think it would happen. It really is a, <laughs> a different level. And while Bama is, you know, almost like a, a 33rd NFL team in terms of the way they're built and their, their body types, you know, these are 18, 19, 20-year-olds versus grown men. So, you know, I, I won't I won't cast a dispersion towards any pro team. It's a different level. And while Bama has been unreal for the last nine years for sure, I just I, I wouldn't say that about an NFL team. All right, perfect. Thanks, hey, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in and watch the Senior Bowl this Saturday at 2.30 on the NFL Network. And I'm sure you're going to have a crazy week. I appreciate the time, Phil. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Of course, I wrote a book last year, too, Fourth and Goal Every Day. It gives you a bit of a backstory on Belichick and Saban and why they've been so successful uh, in their respective areas, New England and the University of Alabama. So I enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks Thank so you. much. All right. Thanks, Phil Savage. Let's get to topics. Debo, what do you got for us? So I was already crying last night, <laughs> and when I saw this, the tears kept flowing. Julie Ertz is on the USA Women's National Team for Soccer. And she's the wife of Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. You did not cry during this. Oh, it was emotional. <laughs> it's an emotional time. His face. It's a lifelong dream. Uh, Julie had a friendly against Denmark during the NFC Championship, so she couldn't be in Philly and Why didn't not? know the final. I know it's it's Denmark, right? The final until her game was final. But this is how she reacted when she found out the Eagles won. <laughs> It's better on video. Yeah, it's, uh, we're oh gonna post God. it. So it's a friendly. Raj couldn't go face. to the game. <laughs> this goes back to like. How can you not go to the when game? you guys were talking? Like if your wife was pregnant and yeah. you guys were in the finals. Yeah. Like this is. Listen, if if she was in the World Cup and her husband had a preseason game, that doesn't Wait, matter. No, I would expect her to be it. I would expect him no. to oh, be at the gonna... World Cup. No, I I think if you're that would have been fantastic. You could have gone to the foot. No, no, I'm saying they were both. Yeah, no, you should have missed the preseason game. They both were just doing their job. No, it is a great story. You weren't moved by America that video. No, I wasn't I mean, moved by that video. I thought she was adorable though. But did no, you see when they approached him in the locker to show him the video? He got choked up too. He got choked up. That's where I got a little. Wait, watch it. There you go, Raja. Wait, he got choked up watching that video of he her. He got choked up. They were like, have you seen moment. it yet? And then they played oh. it for Zach. It would have been nice oh. if she could have so been there. No yeah, friendly no, scheduled cute. for the Super Bowl show. She will She's be going to Minnesota. By the way, this you've left this out on Super Bowl storylines. The two sports, like the two athletes, you're going to hear a lot about this. That's pretty cool. Uh, oh, it is I mean, awesome. I love Those that. kids are going to be some, some <laughs> yes. beasts. Can you buy stock yeah, in that? Right now. You would for sure. Check out that video at Canel and Bell on Twitter. Now, Ertz's former Eagle teammate, LaShawn McCoy, seemingly still holds a grudge against the guy that traded him to the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Appearing on NFL Network pregame coverage yesterday, Shady wasn't too shady about his feelings on Chip Kelly. I got a lot of love for Philadelphia. Now that the, the little short coach is with the kids, where he belongs. <laughs> Day, I, I got love for him. <laughs> <laughs> that is petty or pretty funny from Shady? A little of both. Funny. I think it's both. Funny. It's definitely petty. Like, let it go. What it was it, three years ago? Four, how long ago was it? It was a while. 
Like, yeah, let three. it go. Let he it go. He was a bird, though, man. Like, Shady McCoy was was Philly, wasn't he, for, at the he, time? He was at the playoff game last week. He definitely still loves the organization. <laughs> yeah, yes. like, you let, I don't like the subject. You let that little dude come in there, <laughs> right? Come on, man. Funny. <laughs> what do you call him, the little guy? Uh, seriously. The little guy playing <laughs> with the <laughs> kids out at UCLA. Man, as a Bills fan, does it bother you that he's at the Philly games? No. I mean, what else is he supposed to be doing? He's I don't fine. know. Not supporting a different team? No, the, the no. Bills, I like Bills that. I like someone right now, who so. has – yeah, that's fine. Go uh, take notes. We grew up an Eagles fan from Harrisburg, so yeah. maybe that plays a part in just, it. Just take notes, though. All right, so our last topic. We know Danny never won a Heisman Trophy. And actually, we discovered <laughs> – Just keeping it real. Thanks, discovered yeah. on the podcast that he never finished top ten. But how much you would sure? you sure? I thought it was seven. <laughs> you said that before. Danny, look. Collegefootballreference.com. Right, but how much would you pay for one? Well, apparently someone paid $399,000 for Rashawn Salam's 1994 Heisman Trophy. I ask you guys, what's your ideal piece of memorabilia and how much would you drop for that? I don't know if you're collectors of anything. <laughs> what would it be? Ron just no. blanks there. I, 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 like, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm the same like way. If, if it's Michael Nothing. Jordan's game six used jersey. No. Nothing. Like for what? Like you give me a price range and I'll tell you. So I bought at live auctions when I'm supporting a charity. Like I'll, I'll buy like a, an MJ sign thing. I bought a tiger. I bought a master's, um, a master's flag signed by every winner of the masters in cool. the last like 30 years. And it was like an extra like $500 to get tiger to sign it. And I was like, yeah, you gotta get tired of signing or I won't buy it. And right. so I bought that for probably, I don't know, twenty five hundred dollars, three grand, something like that. But it was the money was going to a charity, but I ain't spending no more than like, a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever one of my worst purchases I've ever made it was at a charity event yeah. and they're sitting in the auctioneers <laughs> going around like putting people on blast. Right. And this is the dumbest thing I've ever bought. So you guys heard of Garfield, right? The, yeah. the cartoon? Yeah, yeah lasagna. So Jim Davis yes. is the guy who start, who did the cartoonist who started it. They had an autographed picture of Garfield, who I liked as a kid. Yeah. So I kind of showed some vague interest in it to try to get it pumped up a little yes. bit. And then I'm the only one that's bidding on it. So I ended up paying 2500 bucks for a stupid picture of Garfield that's that fantastic. was signed by Jim Davis. I did not see that coming. Can I tell a story and on I don't even know where lines? it is. Yeah. So Muhammad Ali fight night, huge thing in Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm there sitting with Anquan Bolden and um, and Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and all my teammates are at another table with the Suns. And so we are now bidding on, live auction, a trip for two on the team plane with the Suns dinner with the coaches, and so on and so forth. So they call all my teammates up to the stage. Nobody calls me. I'm sitting at another table. Like, no, I might not be on the guest list. I don't know. So I'm embarrassed. Everybody's, like, messing with me. So they start bidding on it, and I naturally, I think it's funny, so I start bidding, right? So we're at, like, we're at like $20,000, like $30,000. And, I, like, I'm fully aware that the guy wants it really bad, yeah. so I'm going to just bid, and then I'll pull out. So we get to, like, 35 racks, I think, something like that. And I'm like, I, they ask me, like, going once – Going twice, and I waved my hand like, like no. goodbye, like <laughs> right. no. And they were like, $35,000, Roger about the place goes crazy. And so he goes back to the other guy, and now this guy's pulled he out. He tapped out. He's out. I went white. Like, <laughs> I immediately started sweating. So they, they, I'm on the hook now for 35 racks. So I go to the bar. And I'm like distraught. Like I'm drinking like vodka straight. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Does your wife know this at the time? She's not. She's in New York. Thankfully. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So finally, like the, the woman who runs the <laughs> event comes over and they go to the tape. I'm like, listen, I'll pay it if I have to. I know it's for a good cause. But genuinely, I was just embarrassed. I was trying to like – and, and she, they went back to the tape. 
and they saw that I said no, and they sold it to the guy for the thirty thousand. They had footage of it. Oh wow! I got you almost on the spot. I was passing out. All right, I want to do one more bonus topic. Zion Williamson. Uh, huge high school prospect, five star, maybe one. He's top three, the third rated prospect. Three, yeah. Uh, in the country, declared he's going to Duke. So if you hated Duke before, you're going to hate him even more because they they're going to be even more stacked. Unbelievable. Not only did they get Super him, team. but they got number one, Barrett, and number two, and number <laughs> 10 in the class. After they already got guys like Bagley who yeah. just yes. came in this I got past some season. eligibility left. All I have to say is if you are a loser who is trolling Zion Williamson at home because he didn't pick your school, there's some Clemson fans that were upset, other schools that thought they had a chance. Oh, Leave it alone, yeah. man. Have a get a life. Like Encourage these guys. Like Say, hey, congrats, man. Yeah, it's bro. a life-changing moment Absolutely. for them. So leave it alone. All right, that's a wrap for us. We'll be back Wednesday. Hope you guys have a great week and a great Monday. Make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts. Give us a subscription. That would mean subscribe. Uh, Five-star <laughs> review as well. Check us out Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And follow at Canel and Bell. We show all the emotional videos that Devo cries to, uh, like Julie Ertz getting emotional after her husband is in the Super Bowl and she wasn't even at the game. Let's go to this auction.